All right, everyone, welcome into the podcast. If you're joining us from The Rock Show, thank you. Welcome into everyone. Uh, we are here wrestling with Derek, uh, one of our first official shows. We have got, uh, I mean, a great guest here, uh, Chandler Hopkins. Hey, man, thank you for taking your time today. Yeah, no problem, man. I appreciate you having me on. I look forward to it, and I'm sure we'll have a good time. All right, so uh, we were talking a little bit off air, I guess, um, about kind of how you got started and everything. Just kind of recap for everybody. I know you're from Oklahoma. Uh, You weren't really into professional wrestling. I mean, you weren't allowed to watch it as a kid, and then kind of your stepdad got you into it? Yeah, so uh, I'm actually from Texas. I'm from Memorial, Texas. Oh, sorry, sorry. I've been in Oklahoma for about five years. But uh, yeah, dad, uh, my stepdad kind of got me into it when I was younger, and um kind of one of those behind-the-scenes things, kind of what Mama didn't know, didn't hurt her because she wasn't very into the, the violence and stuff that it, right. it perceived at that point in time, but it was the Attitude Era, so what Mom would, of course. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I uh, started watching at a young age, and then um, it was never really the profession or career that I ever thought I was going for because it was always football, football, football. Uh-huh. Um and I played football, you know, from as a, as a young kid. Um, my my got my first football when I was three years old. And my uncles and uh, mom would play catch with me. And then, um, you know, just growing up through the years, through high school, played a little bit in college, and then uh, two years in semi pro, and really wanted to make it to the big leagues, but just it wasn't in the cards for me. So I moved on with life and uh, decided I was going to start selling cars and sold cars for about five to six years and buddy of mine uh, asked me if I'd want to go to an independent wrestling show with him and I hadn't watched uh, any wrestling live in a long time so I went and happened to be a company called IWR and uh, they were announcing that they were doing uh, tryouts um, at intermission and uh, so I I, uh, emailed them after the show and sent in my my resume to, to possibly be a trainee and within five minutes they accepted me and you know, the rest is history. You know, here I am three and a half years later getting to do a lot of stuff that I never in my wildest dreams imagined that I'd be able to do. And um, it, it's just been a wild journey so far. And well, and see, we were talking about this earlier, too, because, I mean, you took a little bit of a different journey coming in because, I mean, for the first couple of years, lots of professional wrestlers, they're wrestling guys they went to school with. They're, I mean, working on the start of the shows, you know what I mean? They're getting as much experiences as they can where they can and they, you're getting to wrestle a guy like Chavo Guerrero, you know? Yeah, um, you know, and it's funny because I used to watch Chavo Guerrero and Eddie wrestle on TV, and I used to look at those guys and be like, man, those guys are just freaking awesome. Like, yeah. <laughs> even though even though they were bad guys for a lot of time, like it's just one of those things where I was so intrigued by them. And, you know, the second I, I found out that I was wrestling Chavo, um, like my eyes just lit up. I didn't know what to do. I, I was kind of in shock, but you know, it was an opportunity and I, and I noticed that, um, yes, it was, it was cool because it was Chavo, but at the same time, I think a lot of people, st- uh, uh, bypass the fact that it's cool to do that, but at the same time, it's a, it is a huge opportunity. Yeah. And those opportunities, if you don't notice them, whenever they, they come to you, they can slip right through your hands. Um, so instead of just taking it as one of those like, oh, cool, I get to be in the ring with Chavo, let's just have fun, I took it as, oh, I can impress a vet, well, a yeah, big time vet. I was going to say, like, I mean, in the in the first couple of years of your career, you're getting to learn from a guy who has, I mean, been there and done it all. You can't really trade that experience for anything, I don't think. Yeah, no, uh, my, my first year in wrestling is, is not... 
is not ideal for most first year wrestlers. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I was on the fast track. I like to tell people and it's not because I chose that the company that I started with chose to fast track me. Um, and my very first day of training, this is not ideal. And anyone that's listening, this will probably not happen to you or for you. It's, it's not something that I suggest either. Um, but my very first day of training, I had a full fledged 10 minute match. Um, mm. and, and that is not something you will ever see, but yeah. it was because the company I was with seen the potential in me. So whenever opportunities arose for uh, me to wrestle with Chavo Guerrero and Matt Seidel, um, I tagged with Trevor Murdoch. I tagged with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. When yeah. those opportunities arose, I took them at full force. And, you know, I, I, I seen them as an opportunity. Not only were they cool, they were a moment, they were a memory that I was going to get to have and share for the rest of my life. But I also seized those opportunities and said, hey, you know, this is cool, but I'm going to make the most of it because this could change my career. And that's what I've tried to do with every single person um, that, I, that I've been in the ring with, whether it's a yeah. name or whether it's somebody starting, whether it's somebody I can learn from, I can help teach. It's still an opportunity to show people what I'm capable of doing inside the ring at my early um, stages of my career. Uh, and Chavo told me told me this best. He, he told me he was like, what you've done in a year is, is really kind of unheard of because – you are basically, you got to think of, you're like in preschool of wrestling. Yeah. Right now. You're in a full year and you're getting to do this with top guys. You're still in preschool. You've got so many years to learn. And I was like, man, that makes so much sense. Like I learned in a 20 minute match with Chavo, I feel like five to 10 years of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Easily. That guy showed me so much. Um, in just that 20 minutes that, you know, I will forever be thankful and grateful for. So, yeah, I've not had a, a, a normal start. Um, it's it's not really ideal for most people, but um, I, I enjoy thriving um, in tough situations. I enjoy the get thrown to the wolves and let's see if you can feed mentality. Yeah. Not everybody thrives in something like that, but it's something that I've always done very well with. I've always stayed very close to the fire. I like the heat, um, and, you know, it's, it's something that's, probably helped me and propelled me to where i'm at today well see i've seen you uh i've seen you around here around my home area i, I think i might have seen you in duran i know for sure i've seen you in sherman i saw you wrestle cam cole in sherman uh i've seen you yep. on tv i've seen you on major league wrestling you're kind of at that you're kind of at that fringe i mean i expect to see you on tv a lot more but you're still in that realm where i can go 20 minutes down the road and see you that's kind of got to be a odd place to walk i guess yeah, it's it's kind of like dabbling on that line, so to speak, that most people say, like, okay, cross this line, you're here, or stay on this line, and you're there. But I feel like I've literally been walking that line um, for probably the past year and a half to two years now. Um, it's been steadily walking that line and just proving that, you know, I'm not just a guy that's here and can do it on, on the occasion. I'm a guy that can do mm-hmm. it every single time I step in the ring. Uh, and, and that's something that I really pride myself in is, Every time I go out there, I give it 120%, no matter who I'm wrestling, no matter where I'm wrestling, no matter how many people are in the crowd, whether it's zero people that I've been working in front of here lately for um, companies that are doing uh, just empty show arenas because of our current situation in the world, or whether it's 
my opportunity to go wrestle at AAA in Mexico in front of 20,000 people, mm. or whether it's wrestling on TV for MLW or SWE. Um, SWE is another company yeah. in Texas that is, is live now on TV and on, on Fight uh, Network and Light Now TV. So I, I have that, that line that I literally constantly walk every single day but it's one of those lines that I, I like to stay on because it, it leaves the options in my hand. Yeah. It, it lets me say, there you go. okay, cool, I can come back across this side of the line or I can jump across this line and come right back. Like I have that, that um, I guess you would say, the option to, to do either or, and that's kind of cool to have in your career, especially in wrestling. Yeah, definitely. Um, but as we're talking about Major League Wrestling, I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier. You wrestled one of my favorite guys ever, a guy named Loki. Uh, and if you're listening to the podcast, then you know who we're talking about. If you're just joining us from The Rock Show, he is a legend in professional wrestling. Uh, but you you were talking about his kicks and everything. I mean, I want to ask you about the match with Loki here in a little bit, but I kind of want to lead that into something else Uh you talk about Loki's mm-hmm. got kicks. Is he's the hardest kicks? If not, who else? And who's got the hardest chops that you've had? Um, so Loki definitely has some very hard kicks. Um, they're they're in there. They're solid, like they should be. Um, he's an aggressive guy, and you know he actually studies so many different muscle yeah. arts. Uh-huh. So the technique and the form is there. So I'm I'm going to go ahead and tell you, yeah, his kicks have been the hardest that I have <laughs> ever taken. Um, but in the same, at the same aspect, like taking that hard of a kick from that guy of, uh, from a guy of his stature, uh-huh. um, may have been painful, but at the same time I was smiling inside because it was such a cool moment to be in there with someone that everyone is always so like, he's so ferocious. Like, I can't tell you how many text messages I got. Um, or calls I got the second the flyer dropped saying him and I are wrestling, like everyone was just warning me, like, dude, be careful, be careful, be careful. Oh my gosh, he's so stiff, he's rough, he's, he's crazy in the ring. <laughs> when in turn, it really wasn't even that. It was just more so one of those things of he, he is portraying his character to the best of his ability. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the worst chops I've ever had, um, that would probably be either between Dirty Andy Dalton um, or Magnificent Malico. Uh, those two got, well, I can't, I'm going to put a third one in there as well, just because they're all right on the same, uh, Gino, Gino, uh, Medea has some of the worst chops that I've ever had. Um, (laughs) I'm actually talking with him. (laughs) Well, see, I'm actually talking with Gino coming up. Uh, so that's, it's kind of interesting. I might uh, mention that to him, uh, coming up on uh, his podcast, but, uh, yeah. I'm talking about, uh, actually, I mean, we'll get into that before we get back into Loki, because I was talking about wrestling down here. Now, this is a match that I didn't get to see in person. I had to watch on Facebook. I uh, I broadcast football, broadcast sports, so a lot of times I can't get out to matches when we're in the fall, winter months, things like that. But uh, mm-hmm. you wrestled Gino in Sherman, and that yeah. was, man, that was a great match. I, I mean, just from what I saw, the video of it, I would love to have been there in person. Just uh, talk about that match for a minute. Uh, so Gino is definitely one of those guys that every time I, I find out that I'm wrestling, I know no matter what we do out there, we're going to have a five-star match. Yeah, He is, he is so easy to work with. Uh, but at the same time, like he's another one that's just like low-key. Um, he, he prides himself on his work. Everything he does when he goes out there is 120%. 
Um, and we both understand that. We both get that. We may be buddies outside of wrestling or outside of the ring, but when it comes to actual competition, we both thrive on it. And he has brought some of the best out of me, and I believe I've brought some of the best out of him. He's definitely been some of my favorite matches, and that match there at Texoma, um, I, I believe that was one that we went to a time limit draw. I don't even think there was a finish because neither one of us could get a pin on the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, anytime, any anytime that I, I get the opportunity to wrestle Gino, I still learn from him. Um, we may be on the same level of sorts, whatever the case may be, but at the end of the day, Gino has so much experience simply because he's been wrestling since he was a little boy. His dad was a wrestler. Um, He's a second gen. He trains at Booker T school. Booker T trained him personally. And now he is one of Booker T's head trainers. So there's always a different aspect and way that we put things together whenever, whenever him and I are talking, because we've got two great minds and that love this business and have different ways of getting to things that it just meshes so well. So anytime I'm, I'm able to step in the ring with Gino, um, I know it's going to be a, a fire match. I know people are going to go leaving excited and possibly telling us that we had the best match of the night. And, uh, you know, I wish nothing but the best for that guy. And um, he, he's doing big things right now. I mean, I know in the MLW has kind of been a talk of our conversation here lately, but um, he's there as well. And he's putting in work and he's showing people why, uh, he, he's the hype right now of professional wrestling. Well, see, I uh, I do like MLW because it is it 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 is refreshing. We've got WWE, we've got AEW. Yes, a lot of people know about them. It, it seems like wrestling as a whole, there's there's more than enough. Our cup runneth over, if you if you will. I, I don't think I've ever had this right. many options as a wrestling fan in my life, but. Just sticking right there in that uh, in that company for a second, you got the chance to wrestle, as I mentioned earlier, as we've talked about, low-key. I want to delve into that match a little bit because, like I said, he he is one of my favorites. As far as I'm concerned, he's a legend in the business. He is very intense. And, I mean, like you said, you learn a lot from that kind of match. But is there, I don't know, was there something maybe he told you after the match, something that you take away? I don't know, just kind of delve into the match, talk about some of the things about that. Um, so, uh, with, with low key, um, he, he likes to keep things to where they make sense, um, because he is a mixed martial artist. He studied several different, um, uh, martial arts and he, he wants to make sure that if, if it makes sense in a fight sequence, then cool, the fans can understand it. Yeah. But if we're just doing it to do it just for us and he, he's more some of the guys like, okay, we can pop the boys in the back some other time. Like we're here to try to get the, to to like in, um, make fans uh, have a good time and, and just enjoy the match. And our match was very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, it was eight minutes and um, they wanted to keep me very strong. Um, and we, we was talking about the, the finish and I told him, I was like, man, just pin me. I mean, you're, you're literally one of the biggest names in wrestling. He's like, but I don't want to pin you. He was like, I don't want you to tap out either. I was like, well, I'd rather not tap out because I've never tapped out in my career, and I'd like to keep it that way. And uh, we were just sitting there talking, going back and forth, and I just looked at him, and he looked at me, and it's like our, our minds clicked at the same time, and we both looked at each other and said, pass out. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, and, and they had plans for me moving forward, so that whole match was to show the NL, MLW um, world, what I was capable of and what I brought to the table. 
Um, especially with it looking like I was fixing to win the match towards the end of that. I went up top for the shooting star press. And, of course, he knew that away. I, I ate my stomach on the mat and, <laughs> and then straight to the finish we went where he chokes me out. But to be able to go through that whole match with really not really talking about a whole lot, we had two or three things that we talked about that we wanted to do, and everything else we did in that match was cold on the fly. Um, and at the end of that match, after uh, the ref had, had rang the bell and everything was said and done, I started to roll out of the ring for him to give him you know, the ring to the one, yeah. and he stopped me. He rolled me back towards him, grabbed my hand, shook my hand, and literally I'll never forget the words he told me was, thank you, you're one of the best I've been in the ring with at your age. And what wow. he meant was like your time in the, in the business. Um, and then like he rolled me back out. And that meant a lot to me because that yeah. guy uh, is of a high caliber. And that shows me like, man, if he says that, that, that means a lot to me because there's a lot of people that, you know, don't get that kind of respect from a guy of his caliber. So the match meant so much to me. MLW, that was, it was fun. Um, I, I've only dropped this info on one of the podcasts and, uh, it hasn't even aired yet. It'll air next Thursday, but, uh, or this, is it this Thursday? Yeah, it'll air this Thursday, <laughs> but, um, so it's kind of an exclusive for you as well. Awesome. But MLW did offer me a, uh, a contract. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, they, they wanted me there. They had plans for me. We talked about the plans moving forward. But at the end of the day, um, they asked me to take a week and think about the terms and the the, uh, the agreement that we had or the the contract we had talked about. And I waited through um, some other options that I have in the business and uh, some some names that I really trust. I ran it by them, and it just came to be one of those things that it just wasn't the right spot for me at the right time. Um, the uh, the contract just wasn't ex- exactly what I was kind of looking for for where I was at in my career, um, and we just couldn't come to terms, which no, no bad will for either one. We all parted on, on good, on good terms. And right. court even tweeted out on Twitter. Uh, I think it was like a day or two after I had declined the, uh, the contract from them. Um, they had posted online about some talent cause they were needing more talent about who the fans would like to see. And my name was tagged a lot. So he retweeted one of the tags and, and literally told the whole world, Hey, you know, Chandler Hopkins is a great talent. I have no no doubt that he will be something big in the wrestling business moving forward, and I wish him all the success and, and luck in the world. So it was one of those things we parted on good terms. There's no ill will towards uh, one or the other, I don't believe at all. And um, I would love to go back and wrestle for him again if, if, it'll, if it came to that and they needed somebody in my area. Um, and who knows, maybe I'll be with them down the road. But um for now, it was one of those things where I also didn't want to be the guy that just jumped on the first contract that was offered to me because that's, yeah. as a wrestler, that's what we work so hard for. It's, man, I want the contract. I want the contract. I want to know I'm going to be somewhere. I'm going to be stable for X amount of years or whatever it is. Um, and I just didn't want to be that guy that just because it was offered to me, I didn't want to just say, yes, let's do it. I wanted to weigh my options. I wanted to talk to people that understood where I was going through and and get the insight on what I needed to know. And, um, you know, I, I think, I think it was best for me at the moment to, to keep going and doing what I'm doing because if it, I, I a hundred percent feel like if one person or one company is interested in you, that there are others that are looking at you. So yeah. now it's just my job to keep doing what I'm doing 
and showing other companies that I can do it on a regular basis like I have been doing and the value that I can bring to their company. And that, that's what I'm working towards right now. Man. I'm just, just out here hustling, showing people that I'm, I'm the real deal. I'm not here to just play games. I'm not a weekend warrior. Um, this isn't a hobby to me. This is my life. This is what I love to do. Um, professional wrestling was not the career path I ever thought that I would go down whenever I uh, was younger, like I said, because it was all football, football, football. And, you know, it just kind of fell in my lap. And um, I'm so grateful for it. And, and so many things that uh, wrestling has been able to give me in my life um, and the memories. So uh, MLW was, was fun. Yeah, low-key was a great, great time. And, uh, you know, I, I look forward to seeing what the future holds. Now, as we're talking about that, it leads me back to something I said earlier in the podcast about how there's just so much wrestling. There's there's so much to take in. That kind of leaves your options open. You don't have to, uh, well, using the uh, Young Bucks as an example, when uh, they got their TNA contract, when they were Generation Me, they said they just kind of rushed into it, signed it. They might not have done that now, but hey, they can look back and say they learned some things from it. But now you can also be a guy like, Kenny Omega was, or like Will Ospreay is a guy who said, well, I want to go do this. I, I want to go do this. Or, you know, uh, for instance, I want to go work in Japan. So I'm going to go work in Japan before I do anything else. You've got the ability to kind of do that. I think is that, is that kind of what you see now with all these different options? Yeah. Um, it, it's actually exactly what I see my career. Um, my, I, I try to model my career after somebody that I think that has done it the right way. Um, and everybody's going to know him once I say his name. He works for WWE. He's probably one of the biggest stars in WWE, if not the biggest in all wrestling right now, and that's AJ Styles. Mm-hmm. Um, AJ had so many options to work at so many different places, and he did work at so many different places, but he had the E reaching out to him over and over and over and over and over again, <laughs> and time and time and time again, he declined them because he was happy where he was at. He loved what he was doing and he had other goals that he wanted to reach before ever going there. And I, I, I try to model my career after that because it, in my opinion, if I go to the E, that's the top. That's, that's, that's saying you've made it. Yeah. But what journey did you take to get there? What? And everybody's got a different journey. I'm not knocking anybody that says, yeah, I'm just going straight to the E. Um, right. But at the same time, like I want to build that worth. And that's what he did. He built worth and value in his name going from every company, ROH, TNA, New Japan, wrestling, um, you know, now he's, now he's in the E and he is literally probably the biggest wrestling star there is right now. And people know his name, no matter where you go, they, they know what AJ or who AJ Styles is and his career speaks for itself. You can't take that away from that guy. He can literally tell you that he's been in pretty much every big company that wrestling has and he was successful at it. Uh-huh. That's where I kind of want to be. I, I want to be able to, whenever my career is said and done, I want to be able to say, I was there, I did this there, I was able to be here and do this, I have memories from this place, and then wherever I finish my career is, is where I finish my career. Uh-huh. Um, but at the end of the day, I just want to, I want to build my career after somebody that I think has the perfect landscape of how it should be done, I think he did it right. All right, so uh, Chandler Hopkins here. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I got a, a few more things. I won't keep you very much longer, but uh, as we're talking about you personally, you come in and you got the whole cowboy style, but you're not the whole cowboy style. Kind of talk about this, I don't know, hybrid kind of cowboy you kind of got going on here. 
so uh, the, the backstory with the cowboy is um, that's who I am at heart. I'm a country boy. I was born and raised in Emerald, Texas on the outskirts. We had um, a little fun out doing this, and um, we had, we, we've always been out in the country. My, my grandparents, everybody had a farm growing up. My mom was raised on a farm. So it's just been, that's who I am. That, that's that's me. And uh, going back to Chavo, he told me something that really stuck with me, um, that the best gimmicks, best characters or personas are just an extension of you amped up times 10. So you basically just turn the volume up. Yeah. And when the Cowboy first came out, people were telling me it wasn't going to work uh, because so many people have done the Cowboy. And I was like, yeah, a lot of people have done the Cowboy, but not every, there's never been a Cowboy like me. And they're like, well, how can you say that? There's cowboys all over and you're not reinventing the wheel. No, I'm not reinventing the wheel. No, I'm not the first cowboy. But when I first started wrestling in Texas, there was no cowboys wrestling in Texas. There was, I think there may have been one, and he, it was Randy Lane, but he was calling himself the outlaw. He wasn't even dressing like a cowboy really anymore. He was coming out in generic bikers and being this rough and tough brute guy, but that's how every cowboy has ever been. They've all just been the rough and tough brute guy. And guess what? Most of their finishers are hilarious. Yep. <laughs> I didn't want to be that. I wanted to, to be something different that stood out. And people were telling me it wasn't going to work because no cowboy ever has been a high flyer. And that's exactly why it works because there is no high fly cowboy. I am the one that is doing it. I am the one that, that has made it what it is and it, as a high fly cowboy. And to be honest with you, and I, I might catch some heat for saying this, I might not, I don't know, but at the end of the day, whenever I first started the cowboy, there was none in Texas. And now there is a handful of cowboys <laughs> in Texas. They, and, and they're all trying to do the new style, the, the new high fly style with it, the acrobat, the MMA background, which I actually have. I have Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Muay Thai background training. So I've taken everything of my life, my aspects that I've learned, and I've merged them into this character um, in, in wrestling. And the young gun is just simply an extension of me, amped up times 10, and I'm flashy, I'm different, I look the part, and you would never think that a Cowboys finisher is a shooting star. <laughs> Everyone thinks it's going to be a lariat or a power bomb. Like, I don't even do any power bombs. I'm different in aspects that people see Cowboy and they think they already know me. And then when they see me wrestle, they go, holy crap. That is not what I expected from him at all. And that's what I love about it. Yeah, that only helps you. That only builds to your character. But uh, you know what? I want to thank you for calling in. I don't want to take up too much more of your time here today. I've, I've, I've only got a certain time limit per month on the podcast hosting site anyway. But you know what, man? Uh, you're on all the socials. You're on Instagram. You're on uh, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all that, right? Yes, sir. You can find me on uh, all social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, t uh, even TikTok now and Snapchat. Uh, you can find them all at the young gun underscore CH. Yeah, or also Guns of Youth. I like the Matt Hardy reference on that. Ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Guns of Youth. Uh, I actually had a buddy that was uh, talking to me about that one day. Uh, and he, whenever I first started the Young Guns thing, we had a tag team. 
um, that I created with it with Cody Dixon, and people were telling us we should be the Guns of Youth. So um, <laughs> we, we kept it the Young Guns, though, because the Young Guns movie is one of my favorite, um, and, and that's where I portray a lot of it off of. I try and let everyone know I'm just a modern-day Billy the Kid, guys. I'm a good guy, but at the same time, I have a little bit of a rebel heart. There you go. Hey, it is Chandler Hopkins. Thank you so much for taking your time today. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on, sir.